0: This is the Doctor Who Podcast. You are most welcome.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. Ian rang me up the other day and said, can I come over and play? And I said, yes, please. So, get your building blocks and your cartons of warm lactose-free milk. It's a DWP geek out. it is another episode of the Doctor Who podcast. Welcome everyone, thank you for downloading this file and joining us for the fun. Very special treat this particular episode, it's just me and Ian. Hello Ian.
0: Hello, thank you for letting me back into the camper van again.
1: Indeed, indeed. Uh, Ian hasn't done one of these geek
0: outs I don't think yet, have you mate? Not a geek out, no. I've just been talking about big finishes for the main part, but uh, always happy to have a nice geek out. Absolutely. I think it's every Doctor Who fan's God-given right to do a geek out. I don't think we would be Doctor Who fans if we didn't indulge in these all the time, to be honest with you. It's part of Doctor Who fandom, isn't it? Geek outs are really great because they don't have a script, they
1: don't have notes, you don't do any preparation. We just sit down, turn the microphone on and move on. And you, you haven't written any notes, have you, Ian? Who me?
0: No, I would never be that organised. I can hear ripping and shuffling of paper back there, Ian. I hope those aren't notes. No, absolutely not, definitely not.
1: Well, as you all know, of course, Ian is one of our fantastic moderators over at the forum, and uh, we we have some very spirited discussions there about one of my favourite, and I know it's one of our listeners' favourite subjects, the whole thing to do with Doctor Who canon. What's right, what's not, what's done correctly, what's not done correctly, what's explained properly and what's not explained properly. Doctor Who canon is one of my favourite subjects.
0: Absolutely, mine too, and I think many, many fans... I have a theory that one of the defining elements of being a Doctor Who fan is having quite a logical, analytical and detailed mind. And I think many, many Doctor Who fans fall into that category, and therefore when they see inconsistencies or even links between stories, they grab onto them and they want to understand them more. So I think that's why this whole subject is something that comes up so often in fandom. Yeah, every Doctor Who fan loves a list, I think. I mean, I know when I was a kid... I kept
1: notebooks full of episode guides that I'd handwritten and hand-ruled and stuff like that, and lists of whether I'd seen it, whether I had it on VHS or whatever, and um, what the original story title was. Fans love writing lists, and I think that's just then a natural extension to um, being really interested in the intricacies of the plot and the way they fit into other stories and other eras of Doctor Who. it's something though on the DWP. I've ne- It's never failed to amaze me. Every time when it was well, usually me. Every time I raise the subject, we uh, get howls of derision from our listeners,
0: saying, "Why are you bothering with that old nonsense?" Well, I think this is one of the interesting areas that, in any fandom, to be honest with you, divides the the hardcore fans from the more casual or the the, the non fans who just do watch and enjoy the show. Is that there's many, many people. The majority, to be honest, I expect who just watch it on a week-to-week basis struggle to recall last week's episode, never mind one from 15 years ago. But the, the hardcore fans, as you say, we've catalogued everything, we've poured over our programme mm. guides and our discontinuity guides, and we're aware of every little quirk and thing that's going on in there. But that's part of what makes you a fan, and you see it in other fandoms as well. Uh, I've seen just as much in Star Trek fandom and, and places like that, or Star Wars, for example, with the enormous expanded universe that they now have. Um, but it's a particularly interesting challenge within Doctor Who because... I think one of the defining aspects of old Doctor Who, and this is one of the things I wanted to look at maybe first, is in classic Who there wasn't really any kind of canon. Certainly in the first few eras, when you look at the William Hartnell and Patrick Troughton eras, there there was no canon. There was precious little attempt at continuity. Once you get beyond the core concept of they travel in time, they have a blue box, he's called the Doctor, pretty much everything was up to, for grabs. And I'm I'm personally quite sure that the writers coming in were handed maybe a paragraph of background notes and and told to just get on with it and so particularly in that area you get some pretty huge uh, continuity breaches from one story to another where the story Mm. contradicts itself back and forth and I don't think anyone really cared and I think it's actually part of the strength of the show was it had a complete freedom to go everywhere rather than bound into a tight bible that some other shows uh, have imposed upon themselves. I was totally with you there,
1: Ian, until you threw out that um, no-one-cares comment. I think you are absolutely right. Uh, Early Doctor Who didn't have a Bible. It it didn't have a script that you had to follow, so to speak. And I think that's one of the things that's the reason why this particular episode exists and why people talk about canon. Because if we had a show that was very heavily thought out from the beginning, like they knew exactly what each character was going to be doing, what the concepts were, there there was nothing to the imagination, then there wouldn't be canon discussions. It wouldn't be a show where canon plays such a pivotal role in the entire structure of the show explaining these inconsistencies. I think it's wrong to say that people don't care. Um, I don't think it worries them a lot, but I think they would care, for example, if um, suddenly in 1974 Tom Baker popped out of the TARDIS with purple hair and they didn't decide to explain why that happened. I think there are certainly certain things that the show does that break continuity, that break canon, that don't really matter. Um, Because, as you rightly say, Ian, to the casual week-by-week fan, that doesn't really worry them. But what sort of magnitude of error can creep in
0: before it starts becoming a problem? I'm, I'm not sure. Well, there are there rife continuity errors in the old show. I mean, some of the classic examples were what exactly was it that killed off the dinosaurs? I think there's three explanations given which contradict each other. And what was the fate of Atlantis from memory? There's two explanations for that one. But these are very much throwaway points in an individual story. So the fact that they contradict each other, frankly, you'd need to be a fan to even realise it's there, never mind be bothered by it. Um, mm. But in some ways, I think... There, there was, for all I've said, there's lots of continuity errors. They tend to be those throwaways because in the early era there was no backstory. You didn't know where the Doctor came from. You didn't know his history or any of these things. There was a big void there. So it's you can't contradict yourself because there's nothing to contradict. Yeah, well, there's some stuff you
1: have to accept, I suppose, like your examples of Atlantis, which I think for memory has actually been destroyed three times in Doctor Who. The destruction of the dinosaurs, for example, all that sort of stuff. But then... I think what makes canon interesting is not solving those problems but trying to do stuff like uh, give a cohesive cyber timeline, for example, where where all the stories fit in with each other and trying to explain the possible inconsistencies that say stories like Earthshock throw up um, with regards to preceding stories and then going into stuff like Dalek history and trying to figure out where all those stories fit together and whether time-travelling Daleks from the early Hartnell era have some sort of effect on our modern-day series, or, or vice versa. That's what makes canon interesting for me, not
0: trying to figure out which of the three Atlantis destructions is the valid one. I think you're right, and I think that's also something that became more and more a part of the show as time went on. I think in the first two Doctors, it was, it, it was all fairly self-contained and consistent. It's with the Pertwee era when the concept of the Time Lords comes into place, we get the unit backstory coming in, the masters dropped in, that we start getting this broader picture and this broader arc. I I, I hesitate to use the word arc, actually, because it's got very loaded meanings these days. But a backstory starts to appear within Doctor Who that didn't exist before. And then coming forward into the Tom Baker era, I think that's when it really starts to happen. And to actually pick up one of the examples you give, you've got Dalek history. And up until the Tom Baker era, the stories pretty much all loosely hang together if you look at it from a distance. But then Davros Mm. arrives in Genesis of the Daleks and, of course, never leaves again. And it becomes very hard to make that story from that point onwards consistent with the original Dalek stories from the Hartnell era. And in fact, one of my favorite books on this subject is the Discontinuity Guide. And it has whole sections on the first Dalek history and the second Dalek history and suggests that the actions of uh, the fourth doctor in Genesis of the Dalek actually rewrote Dalek history and created a new timeline for them.
1: I think that's what makes canon so exciting for me because what I find personally satisfying about canon is finding a possible, and I will say possible, explanation for something that happens in the series by using another part of Doctor Who history. Now, just because someone comes up with that doesn't make it the definitive truth. It's an idea. It's a concept. It's a possibility. But that's what excites me most about canon, that one part of a series can explain another part of a series that in some fans'
0: eyes, I suppose can be contradictory. Yes, and I think when you get into the more later era of the show, you start finding more and more of these things cropping up. I think from the Davison era onwards, I got a feeling that the creators started to actively keep these things in mind. I say the creators, it's mostly John Nathan Turner, of course, at this point. And I think he actually, as a fan himself, wanted to try and preserve continuity in canon. And you see a much greater effort to, to, to pick these things up and to link back to his history, I think there comes a point where it starts to become a problem for the show. And the example that always leaps to mind is Attack of the Cybermen, where the whole story is wrapped up into knots around the continuity to previous stories, to the point where it becomes inaccessible. It's interesting around that
1: time too, because I, I think you're right, John Nathan-Turner celebrated continuity. He loved it. He, he loved bringing back old monsters. He loved being able to tie in the history of the show with his era. And I think that's also true of the people he had around him. He had Levine, he had Eric Sabord, who was responsible for that mess of Attack of the Cybermen, by the way. People who were also big fans of the show and apparently also understood the history of the show well enough that they felt confident to do stories like Attack of the Cybermen. And we saw lots of um, clip fests like in Earthshock, for example, where um, you saw all the previous companions on screen. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that where they could dredge up uh, stuff from 20 years ago that probably
0: most modern audiences have never even seen before. It's a call-out to the fans, and as a fan, I always love it when I see a little thing like that pop up. But I think that's also the point where it started to give the most trouble to the fans, because they started doing so many of these things that they created... I suppose you'd call them fixed points in time in the modern show where they've locked two stories together now and there is now a direct link and if they've not thought it through and with the the loose history of Doctor Who it's very hard to think it through all the way you can create contradictions and you can create problems and I think that's where the, the fan canon activities really started to take off in that some of the hoops you have to jump through to make the those era stories consistent with the older ones are quite significant. I find fixed points in times quite
1: annoying to be honest because I don't think even within the series itself they're they're done particularly consistently. I, I keep coming back to stories like Fires of Pompeii, which the eruption was apparently a fixed point in time. It had to happen. No way Jose, everyone died. But then at the end of the story, they save that family. So I I don't think even the modern series has used fixed points in time. And I kind of get a bit annoyed by fandom taking up this concept now as a, I suppose, cure-all for everything. If it's not fixed points in time, it's timey-wimey. And that's supposed to be a very short phrase that explains
0: any possible problem that can possibly occur. And that, for me, just takes all the fun out of it. And it is fun. And I've certainly enjoyed my share of exploring some of these things. I think my favourite one is the second Doctor series 6B. Are you familiar? You must be familiar with that one as a long-term oh, fan. Oh, yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. It's season 6B, yes, yes.
0: Which is where there's a pretty huge continuity hole in, in the second Doctor's timeline. In stories like the three Doctors and the five Doctors, he appears on his own and... And there's, and it's completely inconsistent with his original timeline when he wasn't on his own. He was always with Jamie and Zoe right up to the point where the Time Lords wiped his memory and dropped him down onto Earth. So where could these stories have taken place? And there's a few other call-outs that don't make sense within the timeline. And fans have created an entire Phantom series, which is after he's been captured by the Time Lords, but before they drop him onto Earth in the third Doctor's era, where all these stories take place. And he's, I believe, working for the Time Lords directly as an agent around the the, the galaxy. Yeah, he's uh, supposed to be working for the Celestial Intervention Agency, the CIA. Yes, which is who the the third and fourth Doctors ended up doing some gigs for as well later on. And Mm. that, I think, Mm. is a lovely little piece of fan continuity because it's vague enough that it's not causing any problems anywhere else. And it just nicely wraps those little points up in a bow and just makes things more understandable, and it very much appeals to that logical, ordered mind that I think many of us fans have. I think you can
1: kind of get away with the way the, the second Doctor was pulled out of time in The Three Doctors, because that looks like it happened during the thick of some story, and Jamie and Zoe, or whoever was with him, might be somewhere else at that particular time, and he, and he was plucked away. It does become a lot more difficult in stories like Five Doctors, where he is definitely travelling on his own. He's travelled to see the uh, Brigadier's thing at Unit, so he is definitely on his own in that story and him and the brig get um, time time scooped away basically. But yeah, so season 6B for me, I love it. I I think it's a wonderful way to explain all these sort of things and, and it gives the opportunity for even the book range to slot stories in there. If they want to have Patrick Troughton travelling on his own for any reason, then they just slot
0: that particular adventure in season 6B. And it's interesting that uh, you, you pick up that the five doctors is where the problem lies because... I think The Five Doctors actually is one of the most problematic stories for fans who like to preserve their canon. You've got The Second Doctor being pulled forward. You also have this ambiguous discussion around regenerations. Are there a fixed number of regenerations because Baruso wants to get more of them? Or is it something that Time Lords can hand out like candy because they're offering them to the Master? The writers probably were just throwing these around as sort of, here's a line that will move the plot forward. But those couple of points created... To this day, they're cited in both directions as which way continuity goes, and we still don't know. And there's other ones as well within that story that it throws up all kinds of uh, stuff that uh, is difficult to fit in with what we already knew. That, for me, makes it really interesting when you get scenes like the Master being offered a complete
1: new life cycle by the High Council. Because then you can then start talking about stories like Keeper of Traken, for example, where the Master has reached the end of his regeneration limit and he is cheating death by stealing a body. You've got an example like that where it seems quite possible that Time Lords can live beyond their 13 incarnations. Sure, in Keeper of Traken, it was a bit of an artificial way of doing it, but it's certainly possible. So it, it then opens the door for stories like The Five Doctors to then have that possibility that if there's enough energy or enough technology that they could basically reboot someone's life
0: cycle. Yes, and of course The Five Doctors also fits into the ongoing arc of Gallifrey stories. You get into the ongoing story of Gallifrey, which started in Deadly Assassin and through Invasion of Time and various stories in the Fifth Doctor era, which built up this big mythos of Gallifrey and this culture of Gallifrey and threw up another one of the interesting kind of um, continuity problems with Time Lords, which is that how exactly do they not all cross over each other's time streams all the time? And I can remember as a, a kid when I was first, before I got involved with fandom, in my mind thinking through this system of what I think has been been referred to as Gallifrey Mean Time by other people since, that there's some sort of consistent time stream running on Gallifrey which all Time Lords are locked into wherever they happen to be mm. through space and time. So whenever they meet, they're always at a equivalent point in their own time streams. Um, because otherwise it makes no sense at all why things would happen in the order they do and why the Doctor and the Master would always meet each other in sequence with the same memories and history, or indeed all the other Time Lords. And it's one of those lovely areas of Doctor Who where if you stop and think about it, it really doesn't make any sense, unless you try very hard. (laughs) Well, it's good, I suppose, that we don't have many
1: Time Lords roaming around the universe, even back in the classic series, because by the time we spend time with them in stories like Deadly Assassin, they're a race that has basically shrunk in on themselves, that they spend all their time on Gallifrey and only observe other races and they don't interfere anymore. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it always perplexed me when I was a kid, not, not so much about why don't they cross over each other more, but why is the next meeting of the Doctor and the Master always the next meeting of the Master and the Doctor? And that's something that happened in the uh, Fifth Doctor era quite a lot because they always used to reference their previous encounter. Ah, oh, how how did you escape the uh, fires of San, Master? Ah, oh, how do, how did you get away from Zerefas, Master? And it, it was never, oh, I did that twenty years ago, guys. I, I've actually had three different adventures with you since then. Um, it, it's always the next meeting between the two is the same for both of them, basically.
0: Yes, and it's one of those interesting bits that just gets kind of hand-waved through in the old show. In fact, you you talked about timey-wimey and fixed points in time as being convenient little hand-waves. I think that in the old series, that the laws of time were, were banded about an awful lot as being a convenient way to say, oh, this happens because of the laws of time, or it doesn't happen because of the laws of time. because. And actually, Stephen Moffat picked this up in his interview in a recent Doctor Who magazine, that the whole time travel thing becomes incredibly hard to actually make consistent sense out of. And you can't go too deep into it because when you try and make it all make sense, it doesn't, and it's not Mm. going to, and it can't. Um, And you'll just tie yourself in knots and probably switch off the viewership as well by doing so.
1: Well, it's difficult too because I suppose time travel or the effects of time travel more specifically have never been treated consistently anywhere in the series. I mean, even the modern series doesn't do it consistently. That... Sometimes you'll get to the back to the future effect where, the, where there'll be the ripples forward to the future. Sometimes um, you'll have alternate timelines. Sometimes you'll have things that the doctor has to change right there and then. So it's something that even a time travel show doesn't do properly, that they can't decide on what are the effects of changing time, what are the effects of travelling in time, that it, it's always different depending on what sort of story they want to tell and what outcome they want to
0: reach. Yes, and to look at the the modern show, it's interesting, having just been talking about how the Time Lords are all sort of in lockstep with their time streams. When you get to River Song in the, the modern show, this is the first time I think we've ever really seen that the Doctor and any character being completely out of step with each other. And it's become a big deal, and it's obviously quite complex for them to write as well and Mm. it's quite complex to watch too so you can see why in the whole series they just stayed away from the whole piece because it's complex this timey-wimey stuff
1: yeah i know in some of our discussions on the forum and you've had some very very strong opinions about the way modern series has treated canon and what they've done with it um
0: you know, for those that haven 't visited the forums what what have you said on there? Well, I think the modern show has got quite an interesting take on this, as with the John Nathan Turner era you've clearly got fans writing the show, and they have a an appreciation and a love for this stuff the same as we do. I think the modern show has got far, far more continuity references back, and for the most part treats the, the classic era fairly well than used to be the case. On the other hand, they did this by pushing an enormous reset button as soon as the show started. With the Time War, oh, everything's gone. The Time Lords are gone. The Dalek history is gone. It's all wiped out, and they basically gave themselves a blank checkbook to say we can pick up whichever little pieces of continuity we want to drop in, but everything else can just be ignored. Which, from a fan perspective, is a little bit unsatisfying. That after we spent you know twenty, thirty years putting all these things together, suddenly the whole thing just gets you know erased and dropped into the recycle bin. Um, mm. But from a, a writing perspective, I can see how it gives them the freedom to be able to tell new stories and not get themselves wrapped up into the knots that continuity can cause.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's really ever been that, that much of a problem for me, as a general rule, uh, with continuity from the new series to the old. It's, I think, because they do season arcs now, or and or certainly in Stephen Moffat's case, as showrunner, multi-season arcs, that... Canon becomes a natural byproduct of that. Continuity is essential. That we have to have that attention to detail because, like you say, we're doing the River Song backwards timeline. Um, we're, we're doing various threads that are being picked up in one season and not being resolved to the end of the second season. Canon and continuity do form big parts of the modern series
0: just out of mere necessity, I think. Yes, and as you say, they, they started to build their own canon up, which is separate and distinct from the, the classic era. And... It's been interesting. I think some of it's worked quite nicely, some of it less so. I thought during to come back to the dialects again, I think that I think we're onto the third history of the dialects now, aren't we? And <laughs> you you look at the RTD era and the sort of ongoing stories of the cult of Scarrow and them hopping around through time from story to story, it started to get a bit strained to my mind, the way they were were leaping through hoops. Uh, and you see it a little bit with the Cybermen as well. With We're trying to come up with explanations as to why the Cybermen would keep coming back. And I know that modern audiences have an ex- expectation that they will see more backstory and more explanation as to why things are happening. But I do find myself missing the freedom of the old show, where they could just rock up on a planet somewhere and, oh, there's some Daleks here. Let's have a story. And it doesn't really matter that the Daleks were wiped out of existence last season, or well, The Master's the other mm, example who got mm. consistently wiped out of existence over and over again, but it never stopped him coming back to, to menace the Doctor some more. In some ways, I do feel that having to always have an explanation diminishes the show a little bit. I like the freedom of the old show to just go around wherever it wants to. Yeah, I I suppose for me too, I've never really 100% understood
1: how the, the cyber-cyberman ended up in our universe. No one's ever really been able to give me a satisfactory plausible explanation as as to how we've ended up with alternate universe Cyberman now in our universe but that's but that's by the by really um one thing i suppose ignores me not so much about the canon that they now adhere to but it it's the canon and the lore of the show that they ignore now one thing that i find difficult to deal with is everyone says now oh gallifrey doesn't exist time laws don't exist therefore you know, the rules or laws of time don't apply anymore. The doctor can do whatever he likes. Um, it doesn't matter. Now, for me, that's that's kind of weird, because, I mean, a law of time for me is a little bit of an absolute, that it's there for a reason because it, it mirrors and observes something that is a natural fabric of the universe, that you cannot do this thing with time because it's not possible. I mean, it's like saying that if we didn't have any police anymore, that if I crashed my car, then it wouldn't get damaged because the police wouldn't be there to find me anymore. Just because someone's not watching it doesn't mean that that law still isn't intrinsic to the way the universe works for me. And I I, I find it weird sometimes that fans are so blasé about the inconsistencies the show can give us with time travel because they're saying, well, the Time Lords aren't here anymore. We can do whatever
0: we like. Yes, the, the trouble is that if you start saying you've got total freedom to do whatever you like, time can be rewritten, as is the catchphrase, then things starts becoming immensely complex. And we've seen that with the, the last few series where, on a couple of occasions now, the entire universe has been wiped out of existence and had to be brought back again because of some sort of paradox that the Doctor's created. And it all... It does all get very complicated and it's hard to know where to go with these things. Whereas I think the laws of time in the old series just allowed you to sort of circumvent these more difficult logical questions. I think that is maybe the danger of a show that's been as loosely put together as Doctor Who was in the old days, being brought to the modern audience who expects a bit more structure and rigour. Or does it? Is it it just us fans or do you think the the broader audience actually genuinely wants to see the kind of structure and rigour that... uh, We're talking about...
1: I don't know. I I mean, it's strange you're asking that because you were saying before that fans don't care about continuity. I I was the one arguing that yes, they do. I think it's important up to a certain point that a series consistently delivers on the precepts and, and concepts that set it up in the first place. That if it decides to willfully ignore core concepts each week then it's hard to be immersed in the story for me. I, I find it difficult. Like I said, if Tom Baker popped out of the TARDIS in 1973 and said, hi, I've got purple hair, I've always had purple hair, what are you talking about? And the series never tried to explain it, then that takes me out of the story. That says to me that we've got people writing it that don't really seem to care that you've got a loyal and devoted audience who've been with you for many years. It's saying, well, we're just going to make up whatever we like each week, um, because canon doesn't matter, continuity
0: doesn't matter. We're just here to tell a good story. Purple hair actually sounds like something Tom would have tried given half <laughs> a chance. Yeah,
1: well, you see, for, 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 for me, people often say to me, why are you so hung up on canon? It gets in the way of telling a good story. And I say, well, no, it doesn't. If you strike a problem in a story that is being held up because of canon, you're just telling a different story. As a writer, I, I think it's important that um, canon is adhered to. It doesn't mean it stifles your creativity it doesn't mean you can't tell the stories you want to do it just means you've got to approach that story from a different angle and still tell the same story it doesn't stop you from writing this you know wonderful world beating two-part story you've had in your brain for the last 20 years
0: And i think this is where Another area I'm having problems with the new series that I actually do like that canon is to a certain degree adhered to. It's nice to have the consistency. It's nice to have the callbacks. But I think it's something you have to be very careful with because once you create these big stories, you increasingly start to tie yourself in knots. And for all I love where Moffat's gone with the show, I think he's doing it to himself right now. One of the modern areas of continuity that started to increasingly worry me is this kind of universal community of people who all seem to know each other across the universe in different time streams that you see coming up over and over again within Moffat's um, era. So you've got the Stormcage people with River, you've got the Silence, you've got that Blue Merchant, you've got the Tethlector people, and you get the sense of this community across space and time who all know each other. In the older show you've got this feeling of there being billions and billions of stars out there that are all disconnected and it gave you the freedom to just land anywhere and no one's ever heard of the Doctor, the Doctor possibly hasn't heard of them either and you can just tell whatever story you like. But I f- increasingly in the modern show, the universe feels small as if everybody knows each other and they even across time they all know each other and... I don't know. I'm, I'm and I think it's it's starting to show through yeah, in the doctor yeah. as well, wanting he wants to get away from this as well, as we heard at the end of the last show.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it's something that we saw during the tenant era. For for me the, the, the tenant doctor is a very egotistical doctor. He's 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 almost a selfish doctor for me, really. He seemed to enjoy the attention, he seemed to be relishing being the centre of attention. I think that's a difference for me between the way tenant portrays the doctor and the way people like Baker or Davison portray the doctor. Sure, they were still the focal point of the story, but they commanded a presence that oozed authority, whereas I think the tenant interpretation of the Doctor, they're still at the centre of it, but they're enjoying being that centre of attention, that they're enjoying saving the universe, uh, that they enjoy races being
0: horribly grateful to them for all the wonderful things that he's done for them in the old show you got the sense that for all the universe was enormous and the doctor was a very powerful and influential figure he was still a tiny speck of sand in that enormity of the universe Mm. and that gave total freedom whereas increasingly in the new show and you're right it did come in during the david tennant era the doctor becomes this bigger and bigger and bigger figure till up to the point we get things like the pandorica stories where the, you know that the, the all the races of the universe including some quite illogical ones all come together to try and put him in a box because you know everyone across space and time all feels that the doctor is their enemy um yeah. e- even the silurians <laughs> oh and the Jadun who've got no reason to feel that he's their enemy and this is where I, f- I feel that the the continuity is starting to become a problem because it's not so much mm. that the story itself is a problem, but you've just created this whole backstory of these people knowing each other and communicating with each other and working together that makes series 6B pale in comparison as to how you're going to try and make it all consistent. Yeah, I've, I've never liked that whole meeting of all the enemies to try and get rid of the Doctor. I mean, despite the fact it's totally
1: ludicrous that they'd all be together in the same room anyway, because they all hate each other's guts and they want to destroy each other, um, what are they going to do if they actually succeeded? They're going to turn around and go, well, game back on everyone. You know, may the worst enemy win. I mean, that, that, that just makes it, I don't know, for me, it, it's, it's just insane that they would do that. I think one of the wonderful things about Doctor Who is we have some very stupid villains out there. We have some very stupid races that keep bashing their metaphorical heads against the metaphorical universe and coming up with dastardly plans and being constantly surprised when the Doctor turns up and foils them. But they just keep banging their head against that wall. They're not smart enough to go, well, let's all band together and destroy him. Yes, but it's the
0: cliche of if, if every race that had the opportunity to kill the Doctor just got on with it, rather than standing and monologuing about their plans or giving them the <laughs> opportunity to talk them round, <laughs> that the show would have ended in probably the first season. Oh, I know. I, I had a mate years
1: and years ago, probably back in the early 90s, who wrote a very similar story to the Pandorica Opens, where all the enemies had a big conference and you know, tried, tried to figure out a way of um, destroying their arch-nemesis, the Doctor. I, I laughed at that story then, and I laugh at Pandorica opens now. So <laughs> it hasn't improved with 15 or 20 years behind it.
0: And I think the the other downside that we're getting out of this new small universe and connected universe, the big role that the Doctor plays within that, is that everything's become so serious now that in the old days, the Doctor and a few of his friends being in threat was a good enough threat to carry a story or maybe one race is going to attack another race now almost every season the entire universe is in peril or all of space and time Mm. is in peril and you know everything is going to get wiped out and we've had that happen numerous times now we had Davros trying to wipe out the whole of space and time we had the time laws trying to wipe out all of space and time then we had the Pandora causing all of space and time to be wiped out and then in the last series we had uh, everything being destroyed and put across into this alternate timeline yeah, yeah. where everything's yeah. happening at the same time everything's become so big and the threat has become vast and where do you go from here can we kill the universe twice in one cliffhanger now <laughs> It it gets very ridiculous i
1: mean it's the same sort of thing for me with bond movies too that every bond movie has big amazing villains that want to destroy the world or you know they want to kill lots of people and i keep thinking about but what about all the other villains around the world that feature in the other Bond movies? They must spend years preparing their stuff. And then suddenly they see Dr. No down the road trying to destroy the world, or they see Mr. Big trying to do something, and they go, oh, that's going to put a bit of a crimp in my world domination plans, isn't it? Because he's already started without me. It's, it's the same sort of thing with Doctor Who, that everyone seems hell-bent on you know, the ultimate solution, that they're trying to destroy the Earth or destroy the universe like, like Davros did. I mean it must get a lot of the other races and villains very, very um annoyed when they see all their carefully laid plans just falling away to dust when you know, when
0: Davros goes on one of his rants. There was actually when the series first came back there was one line that actually picked this up quite nicely and dealt with it fairly nicely, which is when the Gelf were talking about the time war and they said the lesser races couldn't see it. But for us more advanced races, it was a huge problem and it really impacted upon our world, which is actually quite a nice way of having the duality of this was a big deal, but many races didn't see it and allowing it to happen. But that kind of sort of neat subtlety has kind of been lost since then and we've just gone for bigger and bigger ta
1: I really thought Stephen Moffat coming on board would would actually see a return to the smaller style of story. I, I was quite surprised to a certain extent that we did still have these universe-shattering events like we had at the end of Season 5, for example. I think it's toned down a little bit in Season 6, and we have returned to more personal stories, but it was just interesting,
0: straight out of the gate, Stephen Moffat wants to blow up the universe. And it'll be interesting to see where he goes for the rest of his era, because he has, in many occasions, delivered on picking up these things. I mean, the famous one of the Jacketed Doctor, where he actually did create sort of an inconsistency, but then pick it up and do something with it. I'm still wondering where he's going to go with some of the things he's put in there. But one that I picked up on back in Series 6 was the silence and this concept that they were all over the world, everywhere, and had been since the dawn of time and that got me thinking, well, that means they must have been in the background sitting around in every single Earth-based Doctor Who story we've ever seen, all through the unit era, all through the historicals, everything. When the Doctor first went into the junkyard in Totters Lane, they must have been lurking around in the background because they were everywhere throughout time, which either is an enormous continuity gaff, because it seems incredible to think they would have sat around and watched 20-odd years of the Doctor bumbling around in front of them and not done anything about it, or something's gonna get picked up later. And I, I still have a, a a wonder if the idea of the silence being there throughout space and time might come back as part of some sort of anniversary piece, uh and a way of maybe tying into previous previous doctors. There was one line that the silent gave in uh I think um The Impossible Astronauts, where he said, We were there when fire was first created. It's maybe nothing, but it made me wonder well, the first story of Doctor Who was the (laughs) tribe of gum and fire being created. Is that going to come back as a call-out that actually the silence were there? Which might sound like a sort of a a really nerdy, fanny thing to say, but then so was the jacketed Doctor. So, I don't know. I'll be interested to see where where Mm. Moffat goes.
1: Sounds like to me, rather than because we've talked about that whole um, trials and Tribulations thing where we're going to have uh, modern characters inserted into older footage. It sounds like to me it was something like that, that rather than seeing the Doctor and his crew in an old adventure, we're just going to see lots of old classic series stories with a silence in the background.
0: Yes, that's actually what I, I remember speculating about that on the mm. forums. Um, it might have been a kooky theory, but I'm not sure. Um, that Maybe that would be the hook, is that the 11th Doctor goes back through his own history to fight the silence in the backdrop of some of these stories to give a reason as to why he's there and uh, Mm. to allow us to go and revisit the history. Because I do think as as part of the 50th anniversary, I think they have to revisit the history because that's the whole point of of a 50th is that you're celebrating the fact that you've been around for all this time. If you only do the new series with it, well, it's not the 50th anniversary of the new series. You've got to celebrate all I of it. Really so. I, I really
1: hope so. I really hope so, because for me, one thing I found annoying about the Confidentials, I mean, certainly this was before uh, Moffat's time, was, as a general rule, the Confidentials for each story kind of ignored the fact that there was a classic series ever, even when they went into, like, uh, you know, occasional clip montages. You know, the classic series was very buried in those clips. It was all about the modern series. It was all about what's happened since 2005. I really hope you're right, because I sometimes I get the feeling that modern Who would like classic Who to just just to go away a little bit, and you know they they just want to build on their own history a lot more.
0: I, I think that they definitely want to keep it there because you've got people like Stephen Moffat, who is a long time fan, just like us. I mean, he's a proper fan, and so I think people like Mark Gattis and John uh, John Nathan Turner probably not. Um, <laughs> Russell T. Davis, who they 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 do want to have it there. I do think that they're realistic modern TV producers, though, who also know that you can't go diving too far off into that stuff for the the broader audience, because those of us who really know and understand this stuff, we are still a minority. There there's millions and millions of people out there who just enjoy the show for what it is on a week in week out basis. And when I talked earlier on about people, fans of the show being Oblivious to continuity, they're the fans I meant is the the, the 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 sort of families up and down the country who switch on Doctor Who of a Saturday tea time, watch it and then forget about it until the next week or until the next series, and they don't have these sorts of in depth geek out discussions and th- <laughs> there's probably seven and a half million of those compared to a few hundred thousand of us who care um and for all, we're the ones that make all the noise and we talk and we read the magazines and we go to the conventions yes. and all this kind of stuff the the shows producers must realize that we are a minority and they can't you know fall into the trap of pandering too much to us because that's where you get things like Attack of the Cybermen
1: yes there might be thousands of us but we've all got our own podcast <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, there we go. Geek out, geek out, geek out. We love them here at the DWP. And Ian, thank you very much for joining me today for this geek out. It's
0: it's been a lot of fun. It certainly has. And we've explored a large area of Doctor Who fandom and thrown out a huge number of interesting ideas. I'm sure a good number of people out there right now are shouting at their radio or their iPods or whatever (laughs) it is that they listen to us on saying, you can't say that about River Song's timeline or of co- <laughs> of course, the master w- was was being offered his regenerations because it's a a gift of the time Lords. Well, if you have those oh, opinions yes. there's two things you can do with them: feedback at the doctor com. We want to hear all about it or come across to the forums where you can really let loose and we'll all roll our sleeves up and be happy to engage with you. <laughs> in fact, do both
1: do both. James loves getting emails to the feedback box, and I'm sure he would love for the box to be uh, flooded. With uh, angry missives from listeners who just don't agree with what I've said, which is usually pretty much all the time anyway, so we'll we'll see what happens with this episode anyway, um, also too, guys, don't forget um, if you're interested in hearing your voice on the podcast as well in a non feedbacky sort of way. we're always on the lookout for those you are most welcome tags at the beginning of each episode. So if you want to send in one, send it into feedback at the dot com just say you know hi i'm trevor, i'm from Brisbane, Australia. This is the Doctor Who podcast and you are most welcome. So insert your own details there rather than mine. We, we all can't come from the greatest city on earth, I'm afraid. Well, that might be it again. Thank, thank you again, mate. And um, time to put our feet up here in the camper van and uh, ha- have a well-earned rest after that uh, little geek out.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me again. All right. Well,
1: we'll see you all next week for another exciting episode of the Doctor Who podcast.
0: Bye-bye. Goodbye, everyone. That was the Doctor Who podcast. Which you can find at the com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at the Doctor Who Podcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.